We are an investment firm. That's how we look at ourselves. We look for individuals, accredited individuals, taking their money and growing it. That's the basic premise of what Rebequi does. Now, how do we do it? We believe investments like apartments are a great place for capital preservation. And also it's done very well in the last hundred years, especially the last 10 years. Welcome to the San Antonio Business and Real Estate Podcast, where you'll find intelligence and inspiration to fuel your success. Welcome to episode 004 of the San Antonio Business and Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Sanders, and today we are talking with Jacob and Arlene Garza. They're the founders of Reap Equity, a private real estate firm solely focused on the multifamily sector. Formed in 2015, Reap Equity has bought, sold, and managed over 2,000 units valued at over $130 million. Without further ado, let's bring them on. Well, Jacob and Arlene, welcome to the show. Good to, to be here. Glad yeah. to be here, Ben. Yeah, so it's an honor and a pleasure to have you in my in my podcast studio today. All right. So talk to us about your background. How did you get to kind of where you are today? Well, um, our backgrounds are, uh, for me, I've always been an entrepreneur. I started my first company at 26. It was a technology company, then two more after that, and I sold my last one in 2007. That was out of Dallas. I was a sole shareholder, and uh, we moved to San Antonio in 2008. And for me, I was in corporate America for 20 years or so. I worked in banking, um, did everything from marketing, HR, uh, running banking centers. And uh, when we moved to San Antonio, Jacob had worked uh, with his software on the property management side. And so he said, let's look at buying apartments. And I, being very conservative, said, hold on a minute. I need to understand what we're doing. But once we started looking at the numbers and how the, the deals work and the great returns you can get, we, you know, we quickly jumped in and, well, not quickly, but we jumped in and uh, started the process. Excellent. So just to be clear, you guys lived in Dallas originally and then San Antonio. So what brought you to San Antonio? Well, I had an exit uh, and Arlene's mom and family lives here. And Darren, our first, I guess, what, 15 years of our marriage, we used to come down here, visit her mom. I've got relatives here as well. And it just seemed like a good time. Our kids were uh, in elementary and just starting middle school and haven't looked back since. We love the culture here in San oh, Antonio. Yeah, it's great, and, isn't it? Uh, yeah, our kids are now grown 25 and 22. And they, we were worried about moving them, you know, starting eighth grade and starting, you know, finishing at fifth grade. But they've loved it. And we've loved living in San Antonio. Um, so, how did you get turned on to, to investing? Well, what was kind of the, you know, the turning point where you said, hey, I want to get into this? Sure. My last software company was a property management software program. It was called Tenant Pro. And over the years I had it, I had seen people do very well. In fact, I was about to start doing that in Dallas until I was approached. And I couldn't do anything to, to sell a company takes a lot of energy. So once we got that over with, we came here and we made our first investment five years later in 2012. And how did that go? How was that, that first investment? Yeah, we took an interesting route, right, Arlene? We did. It was a 24 unit uh, in Balcones Heights. And so we took the approach, we want to learn it all. 
the ins and the outs and the good and the bad and the ugly. And so uh, we managed it ourselves. I did the leasing and the marketing and the accounting. And she put me in maintenance. (laughs) (laughs) Rehab. Let's call it that. He managed the capital expenditures. It sounds better. But what that actually allowed us to do was it was small enough property. We get our hands around it. And it was also gave us gave us enough time to get involved with the apartment association. And we took some various courses. And then eventually there are two designations within the apartment association, the um, certified apartment manager, which is CAM and the certified portfolio supervisor. Uh, caps. So we both took those uh, courses, and uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say we're really veterans op- operating properties for fifteen years, but it certainly gave us a nice platform. Once that once we started growing the business, we would at least know what the operations were at a very granular granular level. And I would recommend for anybody that is serious about apartment investing and understanding how apartments work. To look into the apartment association, they offer great courses for you as an owner, and they've got an, you know, IROP designation that you can also obtain. And for your, our employees, we also utilize them for training, training That's classes right. that oh, they okay, offer. Cool. Very cool. So first deal, 2012, mm-hmm. 2012. So then, kind of walk us through, you know, how you got to developing REAP and and where you are today. Certainly. So. We bought a 28 unit after that and bought a 143 unit after that and an 88 unit. At that point, we were still self-managing. So we made a decision to third party, which is basically handing over all of the day-to-day responsibilities to a third party manager. That allowed us to create our equity group and focus on raising capital and becoming a little more expertise on the valuation side and the economics of what makes a good investment. And um, we did that for what, two years and bought a, a, what, three more properties, I believe, right? Yes, we bought a first one over 200 units, a 212, then 216, and then 344, which is still our largest property to date. But at that point, we really determined that we had the scale and the size to be able to hire the layers beneath us to do the day-to-day management. And so at that point in 2017, we brought the properties all back in-house and launched REAP Management. Awesome. Excellent. So what markets are you kind of focusing in, in around San Antonio, or, or where are you focusing? Texas. And, well, one of the things I'll say is that, you know, Jacob and I worked together this whole time, and we've been married almost 30 years. Uh, So initially it was that trial and error of who does what, but we really came to the realization that his strengths are more on the operations side and mine with a finance degree and kind of a numbers background was the acquisitions. And so we've now, we're dividing and conquering, which I recommend to anybody, partners, male, female, husband, wife, doesn't matter. I think you find unique, unique abilities and then you kind of focus on those. So I'm on the acquisitions end of it, and so we're looking to add scale in San Antonio. We bought our first property in Houston in August of last year, so we're looking to add scale in that market. Um, Any Texas market in the Texas Triangle, DFW, Houston, San Antonio, uh, and everything in between will see growth per all the economists and all the projections on growth. And for us, we look at markets that have high population growth, 
high employment growth, because that is key to having people that can pay your rents. Um, and we look at landlord friendly, you know, communities that are easy to work with the city and et cetera. And so for us, San Antonio has been a focus. We're now looking at building the scale in Houston, as I said. And we, we're looking at other Texas markets, but primarily we're focusing on growing our scale in these two markets, San Antonio and Houston. So talk to us a little bit about how REAP works, how you find deals, how you fund deals, and you know, kind of your strategy on that part. Well, for us, it's broker relationships. Um, and relationships in general, it is a people business. If you don't like people, this is not a business for you. And we've developed over time relationships with our brokers in San Antonio. In fact, in 2018, we were the top buyer in San Antonio. And that's after we'd acquired three properties. But for us, it's not just about what is your designation, who knows you. It's about the relationship you establish with them. And if you establish a relationship and a reputation of being a good buyer, you can close on the transaction, then that broker is more willing to promote you to the seller. And that's what it takes. You, you're competing against uh 10 people initially, and then they'll do a best and final round, and it may be down to two to three buyers. And it really comes down to what the broker is going to say about you. Um, your offers are generally in line at that point. You've, your underwriting is about the same. So it's the relationship with that broker. And the interesting thing is when we moved to looking at the Houston market, we were able to leverage our relationships in San Antonio, you know, JLL and Arcadia and CBRE and, you know, the, the big brokerage houses all have counterparts in that market. So I literally went to Houston, had our broker here make an introduction so that they understood they weren't wasting their time with a novice buyer. We knew what we were doing and spent, you know, six months um, understanding the Houston market, attending events and getting to know what was happening in that market. And, you know, in August of last year, we got our first deal there and and now the, the email flow or deal flow is there, and we see all the deals coming through. Gotcha. Perfect. So for someone that maybe doesn't understand apartment investing or raising equity and, and acquisitions, could you walk us through kind of from start to finish what REAP does, really, from a very basic low-level standpoint? Sure. So we are an investment firm. That's how we look at ourselves. We Look for individuals, accredited individuals. Which what is that? Okay, an accredited individual is someone who makes at least two hundred thousand dollars the last two years, and a reasonable expectation they're going to make two hundred thousand dollars the following year, or their net worth is at least a million dollars, excluding their home, excluding their primary mm -hmm. residence. Okay, yes, that's right. So um, we look at taking their money, right, and growing it. That's the, that's the basic premise of what Rebecca does. Now, how do we do it? We believe investments like apartments are a great place for capital preservation. And also, if you look, it's done very well in the last 100 years, especially the last 10 years. On top of that, it's got great uh, tax benefits. You have uh, depreciation and now bonus depreciation, which basically means we show a lot of losses on your K-1s. So you pay less taxes and we do that. But, but that <laughs> is after we've already sent you distributions. So it, mm -hmm. it's a way to reduce your uh, impact of your earned income. If you're working as an investor, 
or um, you know what we're sending you in terms of your quarterly distributions will be offset, if not all the way, most of the way with um, the depreciation allocation that we'll give the investors. And people like uh, apartments because unlike a capital stock or any kind of equity that you may invest in on uh, through your brokers, you can't see any of that. A lot of investors like the fact their investor their their investments are close by. They can see them, they can touch them, they can know us as the sponsors, they can look at our track record. We're vertically integrated, which means we have our own management company. So the vision that we see on properties when we very first buy them, we see all the upside, we see where it is, all the potential. That is also driven through the management company, the business plan. It's about the execution after that. Investors get to come and see their properties. We have an we have an investor convention once a year. We have bus tours throughout the year. So they can actually come and see before and after pictures of what we do. And they they really like to make those connections on their investments. And, and because we're vertically integrated, as Jacob said, we're in control of every facet of that investment. So when we were with third party, there are some great third party management companies out there. I will just say that. But what we find is that we're able to react quicker to changes that need to be made, staffing uh, your metrics, your key performance indicators, and monitoring those very, very closely because we do have the management in-house. And to date, uh, Ben, we've acquired and are currently under management $150 million in assets, and we've raised just over $40 million of equity. So when you start doing a good job, people will find you, and they typically will tell their friends and I think one of the other things is just we are very transparent with our investors. We communicate with them once a month with reports. We just do distributions every quarter. And if there's ever a question or need some clarity or they just want to come and visit or talk, they just pick up the phone and they can talk with us. So then the strategy, so you acquire the apartment um, and then, you know, what kind of criteria are you looking for when you make an acquisition? We're in... You know, it's evolved over time. Um, we were doing B and C. Initially started with C. Which when you're saying B and C, C, what is uh, There's classes of investments or classes of assets. So your A class tends to be your luxury or your newly built um, asset, and probably 2000s on on up. Um, you've got a B class, which is going to be maybe early 90s, late 80s. And then you've got C-class, which is typically 70s, built in the 70s or before. And so what we find is that the B and the C tend to be more your working class, middle class uh, assets that um, tend to, to stay pretty full and they're not being built anymore, right? I mean, what's being built are class A assets. And so we focus on B and C assets Primarily now we have B assets in our portfolio, and it's not because of stigma or anything related to any particular asset class. It's just we have made a concerted effort to buy 1980 or newer assets in the last few years, uh, primarily because we're looking for assets that uh, don't require a lot of capital injection. We, we budget um, for capital expenditures and repairs and things of that nature going into the purchase, uh, but then we want an asset has good bones that can stand the test of time if we choose to hold it longer. Okay, gotcha. And 
How long are you holding these properties? Our average has been around two and a half years. Uh, we've gone full cycle on six assets. So purchased a total of 13, sold six, and now we're holding seven. And I will tell you that the disposition, you learn as much as you do with the acquisition side of it. Um, but we've been very fortunate to have been able to produce good results for our investors. And um, so that keeps people, you know, coming back for a repeat business, which we're very happy about. As far as value add, can you kind of explain, do you guys do a value add strategy with your apartment acquisitions? Mm -hmm. We do. We do. And uh, what we're looking at is how, what are the rents? And, the, and we do a very in-depth market study to begin with. We personally shop the competitors in that market around the, the property we're looking to acquire. We look to see how many of those have been renovated uh, both interior and exterior, what do those renovations look like? And what are the rent bumps? Because you, you want to buy a property to increase the value. And the, one of the primary ways to do that is to increase the income side of the equation. And that comes from raising rents and finding other income sources like parking, reserve parking, uh, washer dryer rentals, um, et cetera. So when we go in to look at the value add in our underwriting, we're looking at where can we reasonably take the rents if we do certain renovations? And we like things like hard surface flooring, the plank vinyl. That works for two reasons. One, because people like to live um, with that hard surface flooring because there's less allergies and things of that nature. And then for us, on the other end, when that resident moves out, it's much easier to turn that unit and get it rent ready if you don't have to change out the flooring. So that's an example of some of the things that we do. We've got kind of our own REAP paint, which is kind of a grage. It's beige <laughs> yeah. and, and gray, and everybody's kind of got their own. But for us, what we do is we try to use the same flooring, which we buy out of China, uh, buy the container. And we try to use the same paint. We try to use the same light fixtures, uh, the brush nickel hardware, et cetera. Because we can buy it in bulk, and then there's no confusion at the property level. What do I order? It's all laid out for the team. We also add value to the exterior amenities. We start with the laundry room. If they do not have individual connections in each unit, and we take the laundry room and we make sure it's card ready through credit card. Most people have a credit or a debit card. It's more very convenient. They don't have to come inside and refill their cards. Put a TV in, we put AC in, we fix the doors, we fix the windows, and folding tables and place to sit down. So from that, we go to the playground, we put in dog parks, we put in reserved parking, we put in lights, all the exterior lights, make sure those work. It's really not an amenity, it's what should be working. But a lot of landlords neglect things like that that really make a difference in the property and people want to stay. And that's one of the things we always look at is our turnover rate. Turning over an apartment community or an apartment itself, two or three months of vacant, got to have time and uh, labor to to fix the carpet and repaint the repaint it. So we think those things on the outside make sure our gates are working, make a real difference, and that not only community feel, but having people come and be part of something and stay. So we really look at the leasing or the sales process. So. Your curb appeal has to be nice or they don't even make it to your leasing office. And then when they get to your leasing office, it needs to be nice 
uh, so that they can get them to the next step, which is to see your model unit. Our model unit, our leasing centers, we have they're professionally designed, but yet they're done in a way that is accessible. So anybody in this demographic range, in the income range, can see themselves living in that apartment, the way it's decorated, the way it's set up, et cetera. And as Jacob said, dog parks. I mean, those are big because pet lovers are looking for what does this home give for not only myself, but for my pet. And that's why we put in a dog park in every property. If it's not already there, we put it in. And if it's there, we enhance it so that it is um, something very attractive for a pet owner. So it's no secret to those in the industry that multifamily has been booming over the last decade, we'll call it, um, and getting very competitive, would you agree, mm-hmm. in, that, uh, in that asset type. Uh, how do you stay competitive in such a, a you know, highly sought-after asset type? For us, it's about the execution. It's about the culture of building the company. And when you go out to our properties, you will notice that we have a the reap way of greeting people, of making sure our models, as early mentioned, not only are decorated correctly the first day our designer went in, but each day that the lights are on, the blinds are open, we invest in what do you call those little perfume things? Air spray. diffusers. Mm. Air diffusers, and they're they're a little pricey, but we went the route of doing the air wicks. And number one, you have to remember. Number two, those things get expensive, so we just had them professionally done. And 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 little things, the shower curtain is drawn a certain way, and the and the and the toilet lid is closed. I mean, little little things like that, they all add up. I think our level of execution on our leasing agents are second to none. Our leasing agents believe in their products. They know how to follow up. We have software technology that follows up with them via text or phone call. So when you add up the competitive advantage, uh, oh, forgot the maintenance uh, personnel. I mean, they touch the residents more than anyone, and they can tell you everything on a specific property that's out there. They know where the, right? They know who sleeps at night, who sleeps during the day, who lost their job. They make the experience, if you would, after the lease is signed, the true experience that we're looking for, for, for REAP. And, you know, not every community is going to do that. So we feel like no matter how competitive it gets or if an economy does tend to slow a little bit, I think we'll be and continue to be extremely um, competitive in, in our business. And I think there's two facets to it. It is the operations end of it, which, as Jacob said, we feel gives us an advantage because we can watch the expenses. We can make sure the rehab is done to our level. But on the buy side, um, you have to underwrite conservatively um, in any economic cycle, right? And and so I think for us, it's understanding the market. It's under truly understanding What's in that one to five mile radius? Who lives there? What are their income levels? Can those income levels afford the rents that you're projecting? And so for us, it's important to stay conservative. And we've had lots of opportunities where we're up, we're down to number one and two buyer. And we get, a, you know, we've been beat out by half a million to a million dollars. And we just know what our top number is and we don't go above it. Because if you go above it, your margins are going to be thin and we just don't want to have to worry about that. We want to make sure that we've underwritten in a way that we sleep at night and that we're comfortable because we feel very responsible for our investors' money. 
our money goes into every deal just like our investors does. But we feel very responsible. And the way we, we sleep at night is knowing that we've done the best job we can on underwriting that deal. Perfect. And you got skin in the game, so I'm sure that inspires a lot more confidence from the investors. It does. Yeah. In fact, we only purchased one asset last year only because they did, just didn't pencil. Sure. We're okay. Oh, and that's great. Better to buy no deal than a bad deal, right? Yeah. That's exactly right. Talk about building your team at REAP, finding the right people, growing over the years. What are some of the challenges and, and kind of opportunities that have come, come because of that? Yeah. Um, first of all, I believe it comes down to uh, establishing a real communication avenue with the teams. They don't work together. We have seven properties and they're scattered all over the city. So we communicate with them regularly. We have monthly meetings uh, at an event where we host breakfast in the morning and we're there for two hours and we maybe sometimes two and a half. I think the other one is um, uh, paying them right. And this is an industry that's typically hasn't, hasn't done well in that. So um, and I think the other one is um, just communicating what we expect from each of our employees. Uh, and that's, we're not for everyone. Uh, so the culture that we build is really important in our accountability that each one of now each employee holds everybody else accountable has, has very, has served us, has served us very, very well. We had a, our last company meeting, we, you know, asked the employees to go around the room and give us one or two words that described our company their company because ultimately we're all in this together and the the word that resonated over and over was family and i heard it in english and we heard it in spanish mm -hmm. and so we asked for them to elaborate on and so they talked about the willingness of anybody at any property to help somebody else at a, at a different property if it was needed and that really does warm your heart because you realize that that's what you wanted to foster and that's what you're seeing out out in our communities. Was there any one particular deal that maybe had some unforeseen obstacle, right? I know probably most deals have some kind of obstacles, but was there any one that stands out as maybe uh, a kind of particular challenge? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't be in this business uh, as long as we have and oh, not yeah. run across tw tw that. 12 deals, 12 deals, you're going to get one. 13. That, yeah, that you're just not going to like and... Uh, our particular one was, and I won't name the property, but it was uh, a chiller-based uh, system, which for your audience, I'll explain. Uh, a chiller system is a way to heat and cool each unit. And instead of using your traditional uh, freons in each one, it actually uses hot and cold water that's heated up outside in a central location on the property and then looped through underground pipes to underground the property through each unit. The challenge is keeping the water soft. And this property was built in 1965? No, early 70s. Early 70s. So over time, it starts to erode some of the pipes and you have some water problems. And that was probably the toughest property we, we uh, purchased, but... It is, and it was one. It was our first big one, our first one over a hundred units, and it's you know you're always learning. But I think the other piece to that equation, not only the fact that you had the leaks, you know, running through these pipes, but the resident experience wasn't what we wanted it to be. 
you know, you've, you've got San Antonio where you can wake up and it's seven, you know, 70 degrees that morning and then it's going to drop down into the 40s that uh, evening. Well, it takes that system a couple of hours to switch over, to go from hot to cold to cold to hot. And so the residents didn't quite, we, it was explained, but they don't understand that they can't just go flip their thermostat and it's going to immediately be hot or cold. And so that created a challenge in terms of the resident experience. And that's what it's all about. The resident needs to be happy in order to want to stay. So what's uh, moving forward? You know, where, what's the outlook for REAP? Well, we'd like to grow, continue to grow. But I think one of the things we've always said is it's measured growth. I, I, you know, I think you can see, you know, lots of opportunities and we have them presented all the time. And it's, it would be very tempting to go buy five or six at one time. But for us, we call it measured because we want to buy, stabilize, and then look at other opportunities. It's just prudent in our mind to do that. So we're looking to grow. We'd, we'd like to double in probably the next year or two and then keep growing from there. But again, they have to be good underwriting and they have to be in good locations. Locations, probably one of the primary things we look at before we even look at numbers. We pull a crime report. We want to understand what's happening in that market because if we wouldn't be comfortable walking on that property at night, we're not going to send an employee to be there. And so location is is number one and then we'll look at the numbers do the numbers work and it's a numbers-based business i think the second uh, part of that answer is continuing to invest in our employees uh, we as i mentioned the experience we get when you every when you walk in it's a lot of training that we do with them so we not only encourage them to get training on leasing uh, maintenance electrical plumbing we also a lot get we also have them get training on uh, office skills or computer skills. They can take an Excel course. They can take a uh, how to uh, communicate with people better course. And that's something that our top executive brought in. Um, and uh, we've done very well with that. So the continuation of training and, and investing in our employees and then uh, always looking for top talent to come in and uh help us with what we're trying to do as far as our company objective, our mission. And uh, they have to be a right fit, though, for us in our culture. They have to be a right fit. So if we do those two things, I think uh, I think it would be a great place to work and continue to, to move to move forward. Yeah, we yeah. call it REAP University and that they every employee is given basically a list of courses of things that they may want to enhance their skills on and they sign up for them. And as a company, we pay for them because it it, again, makes that resident experience and makes the employees more comfortable in their jobs. All right. So that's about all the time that we have. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you, where can they where can they contact you? Sure. Uh, they can uh, go to our website, Reap Equity, and fill out uh, the investor form or contact form there. Um, they can also uh, contact uh, my email address, jacob at jacobgarza.com. Or Arlene at ArleneGarza.com. Uh, and REAP, uh, just, you know, we've asked before, what does it stand for? It's Real Estate Equity Partners. And it's spelled R-E-E-P in case you're looking for it. Gotcha. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Jacob and Arlene, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show today. You're welcome. Ben, Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. 
All right. Well, there it is. Episode 004 in the books with Jacob and Arlene Garza. I had a blast talking with them about multifamily acquisitions and investing. Hope you learned something. If you're interested in investing with them, hit them up. And as always, head on over to saberpodcast.com, S-A-B-R-E podcast.com, and make sure to subscribe. We will see you next time on the San Antonio Business and Real Estate Podcast.